Today's episode of the Open Pantry Podcast is brought to you by me, Sean from Open Pantry Consulting. Make sure if you're opening a restaurant or starting to scale your restaurant that you come and check out what I'm doing at openpantryconsulting.com. Everything around operations analysis, recruitment, or data analytics. Everything to get your restaurant, cafe, or bakery on the better side of this crisis. Let's keep going with the show. Welcome to another podcast, but before we get into it, I really want to talk to you about Restoke, which is a revolutionary back-of-house automation platform, which is purpose-built for hospitality and developed with one core belief in mind, that is that time is a business owner's most valuable asset and it should be reclaimed using tech and data. And you know how much we've been talking about that over the last few months since the crisis of COVID. Tech and data is so important for hospitality owners moving forward. The Restoke team have set out to make sure that your restaurant runs smoother with better operations and an easy-to-use setup and platform that's beneficial for both single-site and multi-location organizations. At the end of the podcast, tune in for a second little bit of this episode and we'll talk about how you can get Restoke in your venue with a special subscription offer. But for now, let's get into the program. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another show. My next guest as a Rabani is a hospitality coach with his own company, TR Corporate, which helps restaurateurs and supply chain owners seeking to transform their business and their life by finding and exploiting new and alternative opportunities. He also has his own great podcast called Combat Files, in which we have a shared guest, David J. Burns, which um, I didn't know if he knew before this, Azza. Um, so really excited to have our next guest, Azza, join us on the podcast. Hey, Azza, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Great intro. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. Um, so thank you for the positivity. Um, how did you, um, let's talk about how you started out of the industry, um, the, the sort of little bit I've known about you the last couple of weeks since we first connected and, and then obviously before this podcast, like you have an immense um, career in the industry and providing so much value to it. So how did you, how did you actually start out in the industry itself? Um, I actually fell into it, to be honest with you. Uh, so uh, firstly, thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Uh, I, if you, if you uh, take my journey and started at around nine, 1990, so I'd just come back from the United States. I'd graduated from, from Boston mm-hmm. with a marketing degree and really didn't know what I was going to do and walked straight into a recession um, with, with, the, with the ERM and, and the crash that was happening around us in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, my older brother and my father had a property business because they're both civil engineers and mm-hmm. that collapsed in, in that recession mm-hmm. uh, with, with all of us out of work and our, our sort of backs against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, we started Penta Foods, which was a food service business. Okay. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it, it just, it was through a, a friend who was a, uh, 
he was a, a director at a hospital in London, a private mm-hmm. hospital, and he knew the store manager there. Yeah. Um, and basically, the guy, I don't know, he felt sorry for us or something like that. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just said, he said, just, he just said, come on in, and yes. and he showed us, you know, all the all the sort of terminology and you know KC3s, A10s, can sizes, pack mm-hmm. sizes, and all that. So he educated us over the next three months. Yes. Um, and we 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 um, he gave us the order, uh, the first order. We went scurrying around London in 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 our cars to try, from cash and carry picking up stuff. Mm. And, um, and that's how it started. And that's that's sort of the beginnings. And we had no there's no product list, there's no vans, there's no brand, nothing. It just <laughs> it just started in my mother's garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we we I ended up being head of sales, a sales director. Mm-hmm. My older brother was a managing director, and my dad, my all the whole family were involved. So my parents were shareholders, and, we, and there were four siblings eventually that all four of us joined, wow. which in itself um, was was an interesting um, scenario because you know these things, fan businesses, they 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 can they can work exceptionally well. Yes. Or they can be very toxic, uh, yes. and you know, we we for a very long time we we were together for twenty seven years. Wow! And you know, it it, it worked well uh, for for a very very long time. Mm. Um, but every good thing comes to an end at some stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I think, and I'm sure we'll touch upon that mm. uh, later on in the in the interview. Yes. But yeah, that's how I started. Um, I actually I didn't ne- I never wanted to work for, with, with with the family. I always wanted to get into a job, be independent. Yes. So it's an interesting journey that I took. Um, and those are choices that we make. So you can't blame anybody else. That's a choice I made. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, so, and, and yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, was it, like I've, I've talked to so many people about their own family businesses and their journey. Like, did you have an expectation of what it was going to be like when you guys started it together? Or was it was it just so you view in it, you're running, and it was a family business and and that's how it was and, all of a sudden, you woke up and it was twenty-seven years later. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, it it was it was um, fly by the seat of your pants mm. type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no planning. Uh, we we didn't know, at least in the first six years, where this was going to go. Mm-hmm. We had picked up on something that was very interesting because there was a crest of there was a there was a wave coming through, uh, and we were on that crest of that wave. It was mm-hmm. about uh, Pan Asian and fusion foods in, yes. in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of influences coming from the Far East and things like fish sauce, which is sauce, coconut milk, which wasn't around at that time. It's yeah, become right. so prevalent now. And a lot, a lot of um, Australian influence also coming in from, from that part of the world. Yes. Uh, and we we picked up on it, um, and we we the business grew on the basis of initially we were targeting the independent sector, so the indiv- mm-hmm. individual restaurants and, and the owners and chefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but as time passed, we, I picked up on the fact that there were groups that were, um, starting at, you know, really fledgling groups and they needed consolidation. They needed a consolidated supply. Yes. So if, if I look at an example, um, there's a company called Wokwok, which we first started part of what is, which is now TIG at the time it was, uh, city center restaurants. Yes. And they started this, um, this brand called Wokwok and it, one site in Fulham and the guy said to me, I don't care about your prices. Just give me a consolidated supply. 
which right. meant that he didn't want to have his oriental and his veg oil and his you know, flour coming from 10 different people. Yeah. He wanted one supply chain. One so that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we consolidated the whole lot. So we started importing stuff in. We collected all the local produce, put it all in under one funnel and, and, and supplied him. And he said, and he said, listen, prices, we can look at that later. And then I sat down with him and said, right, okay. You know, I gave him a plan and said, right, over the next two months, three months, four months, your prices are going to reduce as the volume comes through, as the second side opens up. And we became very specialized in that kind of restaurant supply chain. Yes. So we, at one point, as the business grew, uh, we had probably the top 12 to 15 um, high street brands that we were supplying. So wow. our largest brand was uh, Wagamama's. Um, wow. yeah, which, uh, yeah, we started with them with three sites and we, when when the business finally closed the doors, we had 50, 155 sites we were supplying in the UK, and then and we had also helped them set up in other countries with um, ingredients and supply chain um, in America and in, in in Europe and in Dubai. So, you know, we we became very good good at um, taking those uh, groups that were one or two sites and helping them really expand. Yes, um, there's a downside to that, uh, and the downside was that. Um, these groups as they grew also tighten the screw on you yeah so they would reduce your margins mm-hmm. they would uh they became savvy they became yes. clever they brought in um uh, consultants who started nitpicking product by product yes. and, and and actually what they did was they they went they went also directly to our suppliers wow okay so start undercutting us yes and and what our mistake was that we took our we took our our eye off the ball um, mm. on the independent sector. That's where the margin is. Yes. So yes. that's when you supply the independent restaurant. You know that's you're making good margin there, as opposed to volume, mm. um, where you have reduced margin. Yes. And as the business grew, we we had a second site up in Manchester, and and the business was underpinned by these groups, and uh, the 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 cost of running these groups. You make a smaller margin as a business in food service if mm. you manage your backyard and don't go too far out in your, in your area of supply mm. and you keep the, you, you keep very focused in the the type of customer you're supplying yes. so you've got to learn to say no and this is something that we had real difficulty with because mm. we were just you know i was i was looking at growth of in some in, in some years 20 25 percent which is unheard of Yes. In in food service, the reason being why we got got away with it was because these groups were opening exponentially 20, 30 sites uh, a right. year. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Times so ten groups. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm not dealing with you know fifty hundred chefs. I'm dealing with one guy. Yes. So yep. I didn't have a sales. I didn't have a sales force till um, 2007. Wow. 2008. Wow. I did it all myself. So a good fifteen years into the business, like halfway. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Okay. God. And like, was it was it just a challenge because obviously you've got you know a hundred a hundred odd you know Wagamamba sites if we take them for example and then you know you've got these consultants working for them trying to add value and all of a sudden you know the margins getting lower and lower and lower servicing you know is so so hard and you've got other competitors in the market as well trying to get that business like. How did you pivot and sort of come back to look after independence again? That must have been a challenging ride. Very, very difficult. Yeah. You got the, you got the rise of brands during that time, you know, 
expanding from independence to you know worldwide brands you know going into uh, going into australasia here going into europe going into dubai as you said to the middle east and america like there was some you know big private equity money in like there's a lot of different constraints there like yeah. how did you make sure yeah. moving back to the independence it was very difficult uh, i think mm. um so if i if i take from 2010 yes really started the that that sort of um reduction of, of of these brands walking away exiting every year mm-hmm. so there's a a business called um, paramount restaurants mm-hmm. they on in 2000 they actually went down and they took us for two hundred fifty thousand pounds mm. unpaid invoices we lost um the potential of 2011 sales of 1.2 million wow so that that was the that was the the beginning and mm-hmm. although we were insured insurance companies are wonderful people because they never pay up um, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's only when it suits them. Yes, um, so we, we, it took us such a long time to, to, mm-hmm. to recover. And they obviously didn't cover the hundred percent or 60%. Um, and that eventually trickled through, but the, that, that, um, hole, that gap had to be filled mm-hmm. because your cost space is still there. Yes, of course. Yeah. And this this group, you know, there were uh, there were there were a number of brands in there. There were four or five brands, and it, it totaled into I think, you know, 60, 65 sites. Mm-hmm. So the way we did that was we bought out a competitor mm-hmm. in the in in, in, the, in the following year, yes. um, and they were specialists in hotels, mm-hmm. five star hotels in London. Mm-hmm. They were on the way down anyway, so we picked them up for a pretty good deal. Their turnover was around three and a half million and that covered that loss basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and, and that was a, that was a good move. That was a clever move. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we learned about bolting on businesses and buying businesses and we learned a lot yeah. about, uh, and we do things that we could have done better. Mm-hmm. So that covered that. But ever since then, and, 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 and this is the point, Sean, ever since then I was playing catch up mm-hmm. as a sales director. Yes. Every year you'd have a group just walking away. And, you know, we're, you're talking about 1.2, 1.3 million, 1.4 million coming yeah. in, in, in in January or in December saying, we're giving you notice. One yes. particular group, I remember, I'm not going to mention their name, but they're, because they're still operating, is that they came in in in, um, in January, sat in the boardroom and said, we'll give you more, one month's notice. We had stock for them sitting for four months. And one we said month. to them, listen, one month's notice with stock sitting, you know, so you had um, shredded duck, you had udon noodles, mm. you had uh, other, I think, ramen noodles sitting there for them. They said, not a problem. Not a problem. You can have it. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, you know, fine. You know what? Leave. If you want to leave, that's okay. No problem. But at least honor it. Honor, honor yeah. the, the stock. You know, the stock yeah. was specifically, and we had to throw it away at the end. We couldn't sell it. Um, wow. So, so really tough, really tough times. And what I'm really proud of is the fact that I, our sales never dipped, mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. We were always growing right to the last day, mm-hmm. even with playing catch up um, from you know 2011 to to 18. We were so robust in the way that we, uh, you know, I ran my sales team. We, yes. we were. You know, we were, uh, we never had a year where we had less sales than the, than the previous year. Yeah. Wow. Let's talk about what you're doing now. Uh, so I mentioned at the start about, about TR corporate and you're obviously working with restaurateurs and you're working with supply chain, um, people as well. Like how has that evolved? How did, how did you start that business? 
Okay, so we've got to go back to when uh, Penta Foods actually uh, slid and and, and the Mm -hmm. demise of, um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but we went through a double dip. So Mm -hmm. 2000, uh, November 2018, Mm -hmm. administrators came in, we bought trading assets, and then for whatever reasons, whatever the reasons were, we dipped again in, in March of 2019 and the liquidators came in and took the second company out basically. So yeah. that's that's where the, the sort of the supply chain and that side of my life ended. Um, yes. So, and then, and then 2019 was spent um, in a very dark place. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and, and really questioned my own self-worth. Mm. Uh, questioned, you know, my ability as a, as a, as a husband, as a father, um, as an entrepreneur, as a son. Nice. Um, you know, I had a huge mortgage. Um, I, I had to go into an IVA because of the fact that um, the the business had personal guarantees that we had given mm-hmm. for vehicles, for um, computer systems, software, yeah. Yeah, and they were being called in. Yes. Uh, and so, um, you know, uh, I had to, I had to go into an IVM. Uh, similarly, uh, my siblings, uh, they have their own um, journey that they're going on. Mm. Um, and that, that that's even till today, um, the house is at risk. Um, uh, the IVA is in for two years. Um, so I'm 10 minutes into that IVA. So, you know, and that, that sits kind of in the background with yeah. its fire raging. Yes. Would you got would you got to just park away mm. because it is what it is mm. um and then you know i had I had an opportunity to work with breaks food service which was my competitors from october of um, 19 to february of um 20 and things didn't work out there uh, for whatever reason i think um, i think the corporate life was not something that i particularly enjoyed um, sure. although i i think I, I did reasonably well mm. um but in that period so that ticked that box off because i i wanted to see what it was like to, yeah, to understand it, um, right? work in corporate yeah mm. and i have to see, I, I had a very good view of that mm. um and in the meantime i decided that coaching is something that um i wanted to do having said that we had we had dipped our toes in so i had i'd done um three or four mini launches of, 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 of businesses during that time. So there's one I did with in, in, in a, a virtual transport business with my older brother, okay. um, where we had, we had no, we had no vans. It was all on a platform right. and the, the bid would come in for a particular job. Yes. And it, you, 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 so we, our business sat here underneath, there was a platform which you drop that, that, that job into, and there'd be four or 5,000 drivers who would bid whoever wanted to bid for that. Wow. And these drives are independent. Mm-hmm. And if, if, the, if the price is right with your client, the driver would go to your client, pick it up and drop it off on the same day anywhere in the UK. Wow. And it worked. I mean, we, we ran that business for two, two years. My brother ran it for two years. I helped, I helped uh, build that up in terms of the branding and the, the marketing side. So mm-hmm. that was really interesting. That was a very interesting. Uh, there's other, other bits. There's, um, we, there's um, RFW, Rabani Formalware, which... My son wanted to um, uh, start a business with um, uh, renting suits, formal suits out. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's his. He decided not to do that because he's gone into banking, and that that's part. But I helped set that up. Yes. There are other. There's vanilla. There's a vanilla pod business that we we also set up. Okay. So there was there was bits that I was I was just tinkering around with. I really didn't know what I was going to do, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Yes. Um, and 
and eventually, you know, I started up a marketing agency. Wasn't really too keen on that because they were doing that already. Mm. Um, and, and having said that, I mean, listen, there are tons of coaches out there at the moment. Everyone's getting on the coaching bandwagon. Yes. But I, one thing that I that I realized when I was running Penta was that I had I thought I had fallen out of love with food service. I thought I had fallen out in love with the food game. Yes. And I probably should have left the business 10 years ago. Mm. And hindsight's a great thing. Yes. But you know what, Sean? Sometimes we, we, we make so much effort to try to transition out of a segment or, or an area, yes. which we think is our comfort zone or discomfort zone, mm. not realizing actually the answer and the solution sits right under our noses. And um, it, it took me a long time to realize actually uh, the opportunity for me lies in the food game, in mm. the food sector. Mm. Um, there's very few hospitality coaches out there. And, and I thought, you know, looking at, um, you know, I had started a podcast, which was about, you know, combating your, your fears, your challenges in life. Yes. So that, that started that journey. Mm. Um, and then obviously there's, there's this, this uh, opportunity to, uh, to set up um, TRC. It, initially, it wasn't um, a hospitality business. It was just a coaching business. Yes. But I needed to really uh, become a, a micro niche player, as Daniel Priestley puts it. You know, um, where you, you, you need to you need to really drill down and become a, a key person of influence in that sector. Yes. And that's my goal, just to be become a KPI for um, mm -hmm. hospitality. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it needs the, the way things are at the moment. It needs somebody um, who, uh, who can understand the, the, the mechanics of being a restaurant owner or a supply chain owner or a patron, a chef yes. who, who, who understands their that one, their passion but also the, 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 the roller coaster emotions of, of running a business like that, because it is very emotive. It's a, yes. it's a very personal um, uh, experience. Mm. Uh, and I, having dealt with nearly 30 years with chefs and business owners mm. in that sector, I knew what it took. I, I knew um, what, uh, uh, trials and tribulations these guys were going through, especially now, especially with COVID happening. So, you know, I launched this right in the center of the, lock, of the first lockdown. Yes. Um, and it's taken me time through just persistence in terms of, you know, my, my uh, uh, posting on social media, uh, specifically on LinkedIn, mm. uh, you know, consistently just uh, you know, pushing that message out that, you know, uh, I'm here. For the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the for the trade because I served that that segment that sector for a very long time I'm I believe now I can show up powerfully um, mm. in a very different capacity but serve them again yes um, in, a, in a different way mm. now one other thing that's actually um, is really interesting that's happened is that so you've got the podcast you've got the the coaching mm -hmm. I, I always when I was running um, Penta. I always wanted to get into some form of food production or um, mm -hmm. a, a restaurant or a restaurant chain because we, you know, we had a we had a sixty thousand pound development kitchen. Yes. We had, um, you know, a, a eighty vehicles. We had food supply coming from all over the world. You know, we should have just made sense, right? great thing. Yes. Yeah, should have done something. Yeah, should have diversified. Mm. And I thought, you know what, 
and I don't have the money. Obviously, I didn't have the money. Mm. Um, and and this is this is where I guess luck comes in. And you you create your luck also opportunities you created through um, talking to people and engaging networking. And it's one of the things I've done is I've I've really started to um, engage in my network mm. over the last twelve months. Um, I had an opportunity to work for an ex client of mine. He has six restaurants. Um, about I started about two months ago. He took me on full time, but then reduced it down to um, one day a week because he got scared with the, with the impending lockdown. Right. And that's fine. You know, that it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm st- I still have a, a foot in that business now. What mm-hmm. I'm doing there is I'm actually flipping three of his restaurants into yeah. um, dark kitchens, effectively, mm-hmm. or or, or, or um, home delivery operations. Yes. Um, and and understanding the whole process. At the same time, before I had when I was um, when I was going to start that role, I had a, a, a conversation with a friend who I've known for off and on for the last 20, 25 years. And he's a banker, um, you know, been around the world. And he, and he said to me, I, I told him what I'm doing. He goes, listen, if you do ever open a dark kitchen operation, let me know because I'd love to invest. I thought, okay, fine. And I left it at that. Mm-hmm. I just left it at that. Mm-hmm. When he, when, when my boss reduced my hours, I thought, you know what? I think now's the time. Yes. Now's the time to do this. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I needed somebody who understood data really well, who was an engineer, who had, who had that analytical mind, because yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm yes. an emotive, emotional kind of guy that loves to sell. Mm-hmm. So I thought, go back to my older brother who I decided, who I decided in my, mentally that I would never work with him again. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, these things happen. Um, and we've, we, we got together again and we, we really laid out the, the boundaries this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I said to him, you know, do you want to do this? Mm. Uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I do. Because he was out of work also, you know, he was, he was floundering like I was, you know? Yes. Um, and we're good together. I mean, you know, we, we, you know, we, we built that business up. We started, we, we know what each of the strengths are. Yes. Um, uh, the, the, and, and the, the, he said, what about the money? I said, look, I have somebody, I have somebody, but uh, let's, let's go and pitch to him. So we, we got him, um, and, and, and <laughs> we met him at the Shard in London and uh, for, for lunch mm-hmm. and pitched and he, he, you know, obviously he's, he's a, he's a friend and acquaintance. He didn't even think twice. He said, yeah, okay. How much you need? Uh, and uh, we said, we said initially 60 because look, I can give you 50 because there's 20 is the startup cost and about 34, right. 30, 32 is, is the first year's running operations. Right. Um, okay. that he said, he said, we said, okay, because, uh, um, and, and basically he, he, he's coming. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, and we're, 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 we're launching that chowbunch.com. We're lo- launching that in, on the 11th of January. We've just done, we just finished the, 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 the four sub brands. So there are four sub brands that sit under Chow Bunch, which are the four mm-hmm. shop windows for that dark kitchen. Right. So the first one will be a, a chicken one. The, the two, we're launching two of them initially. So there's there's a chicken wings, uh, a, a mm-hmm. sort of a Korean come slant. It's called Wing Solo. Right. Um, cool name. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, which which it, it's interesting because you know we may even have a slight Star Wars connotation there. Um, but the 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 the, the food offering is quite Korean based, mm-hmm. and the the second one is a, is a burger come it has vegan burgers in there vegan, um, and that's called uh, Ban Mi Burger. 
So uh, ban me as in in, yes. in, in, yep. in, in Vietnamese. Um, there's another two called uh, coming through in, in probably about two, three months time. One is uh, a bowl munch. Again, looking at healthy foods in, a, in, a, mm-hmm. in that in Buddha bowl. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the final one be um, flat flatbed bread, basically anything on a bread and you put toppings like on what that have kind you. of thing. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, healthy eating. So it's yes. not fried. Okay. Um, and and the beauty is that, you know, you, you use obviously Deliveroo and Uber Eats and Just mm-hmm. Eat as, as the shop window. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be hard work. It's not easy. There's a lot of competition out there. Yes. The beauty is about this sort of business is that you don't have the you don't have the massive cost of front of house and all the staff. Yeah. You need two and a half chefs basically yeah. um, to to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of you know hard grafting which I have no problem with. I've done it all my life. Mm. So those are the so so and and, and if I start really kind of just step back and see how I where I sit in the food sector now. So I've been able to pivot myself mm. between coaching and being an operator yes in a pandemic yes. having raised 50 grand for a concept that i want to launch yes. and that's what i take that's what i take to my um coaching clients and say look it can be done mm. and i always start with with the view of let's start with the mindset because you can't do any kind of business plan you can't you know one doesn't have the clarity when gone through adversity to mm. be able to plan anything or look at anything with clarity mm. until you have addressed the mindset. Yeah, of course. Where do you sit? Mm-hmm. Right. And I've always said this chaos with chaos comes clarity. Yes. <laughs> it always happens. The because you, you know, when you have a break, yeah. When you have a breakdown, mm. there's always a breakthrough that comes mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's how, that's how I take my, my, uh, you know, that's how I sort of approach my coaching clients. So, yes. you know, my entrep- entrepreneurship, uh, or entrepreneurs master class is broken down actions, which is basically, um, reframing, recreating, relaunching. And there's two elements of that. One is the personal and the other one is the business, yeah. um, within, within the, within, within the hospitality. Mm. Can I? Can I ask you as a, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this with saying that I had two businesses, which I liquidated in 2007, 2007. So I had a, I had a car accident in 2006 and um, I was hundred hours a week sort of working in those businesses. And then I couldn't for a period for eight or nine months. Right. So it was a, it was a very bad car accident and I ended up putting them into liquidation after that period of time. So when you at the start of the podcast talked about, you know, the dark period in which you've gone through family business, having to, you know, having to unfortunately liquidate it. And then we're in this pandemic and you're, you know, you've come out of a family business. You, you need to make sure that you've still got great connection with your family, which obviously you do, which is a, a blessing and also a lot of work by yourself, I'm sure, and your rest of your family. Like, mm. how have you been able to make sure that you've come out of this with a positive mindset rather than maybe what the opposite was going to happen? You know, was it, was it, a, was it a case that it was a family business? So you're all in it together. So you just had to push on through, or was it outside things that you were doing to make yourself sort of more positive moving through? Because, yeah being what you've been through, you're going to be extremely resilient in a time like this. 
So when you talk about your yeah. story, like it, it completely makes sense that you've raised 50,000 pounds because you've been through so much bad shit that this is just another chapter in which you need to turn a page. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, let me just say that um, the impact on personal relationship has been massive. Mm. So, um, you know, in the, and then you, that's coupled with, so we had a double whammy in our household because business going down yes. and then the, 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 the full ramifications of on, 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 on the relationship of that yeah. business going down. Mm. This is now, uh, this is the, the extended family is one thing, parents and, and siblings. That's one area. Mm. The other areas is inter- internally in my own household, my wife yeah, of course. and my children. And so I've got four kids. So there are three of them are in their twenties well. and, and, and then one, my daughter. So the three boys in their twenties and daughters 15. And these guys are working also. My oldest, unfortunately, lost his job in, in COVID. Um, and the, 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 when, Sean, when, when, when you're earning and you have the lifestyle, mm. um, you don't stop to, to, to have a conversation about the cracks within your marriage. Yes. Yes. It's a good point. Because the money's coming in. Yes. And everything's okay on the surface. You know, you drive a nice car, you have a big house. And, it's okay. We'll do it later. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you, that veil is taken off, yeah, then the lava comes through those cracks. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's this blame and there's resentment and there's um, uh, accusations and finger pointing. Yes. And a lot. What what happens in that situation? A lot of the, a lot of the um, stuff that comes up is from the naturally from the past. Yes. Things that were stuck under the carpet because it didn't matter at that time. Mm. So being Asian, being sort of of an Asian background, yes. um, Indian, Indian sort of background, you know, we had a joint family system in, in, in mm-hmm. our household, mm-hmm. um, which in itself I think is very detrimental. Personally, I wouldn't advise anybody to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, you know, you, you, you had the other issue was that we, all of four of us, I mean, at least three of us. No, actually four of us. Um, we all remortgaged our houses. Wow. Put money in the business. So I took 200000 out to wow. save the business in yes. 2017. That went. Yes. So I've got a double mortgage on my house, which obviously my missus is very upset about. Yes. And, you know, she's, she's part owner. So there's that whole dynamic sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um. And what, what this does, it, it either m- makes a relationship or it breaks it. Yeah. There's no two other ways. You can't have a halfway house. You can't no. sit on the fence. No. And we're sitting at the moment on that fence. <laughs> 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 so we, we, we don't know whether it's going to go this way or that way. Um, the, the other thing is, 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 the, is the relationship with the children. Um, it's really tough because these kids are not kids. They're, they're grown men. Yes. And you know they, they have their own um, they have their own point of view, and that has to be mm-hmm. respected. Mm-hmm. Um, I may not agree with it. Uh, yes. They have their own point of view, and as long as they're living here because of COVID, they would have left um, if COVID wasn't uh, uh, sort of upon us, and they would have moved out and done, done their own thing, which was fine with me. Yes. Um, so the, the impact on the personal, what I'm saying, on the relationships was massive. Mm-hmm. Was massive. Now, how how do how do I get over this? I had decided in 2017 that I was extremely unhappy with myself. 
Okay. Uh, you know, if you peered into my life, you think the guy's nuts. He's got everything. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm yeah. Driving a 911, big house, mm-hmm. 42 million pound business. You yep. know, I had everything. Yes. And yet, there was a rot going on underneath in my own life. Mm. I don't. I can't speak for anybody else. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was. It was a. It was a. Um, it was a point of view that I had that I was just very, very unhappy. I thought I was unhappy with the industry. Mm. Turns out that I wasn't actually. It was. It was myself. Mm. I didn't like myself. I, and I, and one of the things that I've learned is that to anybody who's going through any kind of you know acknowledge yourself, learn to be kind to yourself, forgive yourself. And I'm still going through that process myself. Yeah. Even yeah. now. Coaching helps help when you, when you help somebody else in coaching, it yeah. helps you to grow. Yes. It, it helps yeah. you to grow. It helps you to, to also evolve at the same time, because there's things that light bulb moments that happen to you when you ask a question, think, Oh, okay. Maybe I should apply that to myself. Yeah. Um, so self-reflection is, is, is really important with a, with, with, with a hint of fairness and justice to oneself. I think it's really important. So what I did was in 2017, October, I joined a landmark in London and, uh, and they have a number of um, self-development courses. Mm-hmm. They, 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 theirs is a, is a slight different, it's obviously changed because of the pandemic, but you know, you'd walk in on a week for a weekend, long weekend, Friday to Sunday night, I think. And the first is called the forum, landmark forum. You'd have 150 people there in that room. Yeah, well. And you'd stand up and you'd, and you'd, you'd, talk, you'd talk about mm-hmm. your challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, the, I did their programs. Um, uh, the longest one was six months. And it was tough. It was, it was you know, breaking yourself down and then mm-hmm. rebuilding yourself. But it allowed me... The biggest thing that, that, that helped me through, um, aside from my faith, because I do believe in God, mm-hmm. um, is, is the ability to be accountable. Did you felt you were? The ability to be self-reflective and say, yeah, mm. I wasn't before. I, I, no way, no way. <laughs> I, I would always fight. I would resist. And resistance is, as they say in, in Star, Star Wars or Star Trek, no, Star, Star Trek, resistance is futile. Yes. Because all you're doing is you're actually um, damaging yourself by resisting, yes. especially if, it, if you know that um, you're in the wrong. You, mm-hmm. that you know that you've contributed to, to that, that situation. So resisting actually prevents change, prevents mm-hmm. progression. Mm-hmm. And accountability and um, responsibility actually diminishes the ego. Mm. It what it does it, it it helps you to to reduce yourself um, and and eke out. I don't think we can ever eke out the ego, but actually make it accountable internally yes. to ourselves. Yep. Um, so that that was the start of my sort of kind of um, journey on self development, and then I and then um, I I I had I had committed to NLP. In, in 19 yes um when i had no money and i i finished that last weekend actually i'm certified um, an lp practitioner yes. and then i i also joined um uh, an ilm which is um institute of um 
leaders and uh, leadership and management, mm-hmm. um, and they do a um, uh, they do an executive um, uh, C suite coaching course, which I'm at the moment involved in. Mm-hmm. That's a one year course. That's hard. It's a hard course. So I've had to really um, sort of balance and 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 um, uh, tweak. It's quite it's quite a flexible program. But again, all of these programs were self developing. It yes. helped me to get through this 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 passage I was going through. There's also um, I joined HPC HPC, which is finished um, this Wednesday. It finishes. Um, there's, there's this called the Launch Program, which mm-hmm. looks it doesn't teach you coaching. It teaches you how to run a coaching business, which is very different to the business I ran. Yes, very different, right? So it tells it teaches you how to set up on the internet. Yeah, it teaches you what softwares do you need to become efficient as a single um, owner of business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, was, I, I, I had decided that I needed to relearn. I needed to, if, if I was going to reinvent myself, recreate, I had to be really coachable mentally to be able to um, sponge everything in. I wouldn't say that I'm a sponge in that sense because you know at 55, you, you, you become very set in, in your ways in a lot of aspects of your life. But I think I, I have a real desire to learn and, and, and teach myself, um, which helps you to progress. And it allows me to sit in front of my clients and say, well, you know, I can share something with you. Yes. This is, this is, this is how I did it. Mm. So, uh, you know, if you want to enable others, You've got to experience it, conquer it, and empower yourself to be that change for others. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's really important um, that, that, that that element, and, 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 and it's important for people to, if they're going through that transition of loss, because you've heard this, obviously, loss mm. is not failure. Failure is not loss. Mm. Loss and failure is learning. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What is this trying to teach you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, being a, a a man of faith, I guess, of, of believing in God, uh, this is a test for all of us in the family. I think, mm. um, it, it, and the test is there's two areas that I think personally, or well, three areas that I think I've, I've been tested on. Firstly, personally, I'm a very impatient person. Um, I, I don't. I, I've I've suffered with impatience in a massive way, mm-hmm. so. You know, the big guy upstairs is asking me, well, okay, how patient are you going to be now? Because mm. you have to be. <laughs> Do I have a choice? Yes. We all have, to, we all have choices, but mm. I choose to sit in that space where, okay, I, I'm, I'm being tested for my patience. I will show that resilience in patience. Mm-hmm. So that was number one. Number two, um, your blood. You don't walk away from your blood. Mm. whatever happens you know I, I could sit no i did for a while sat and and blame my older brother because mm. my brother uh, by nature he's a he's a he's an engineer he's a quite a dry person he's a very very soft-hearted man yes and he's a very kind generous human being but mm. at the same time he's also um he's also very uh, you know, sort of He's an engineer, so emotion doesn't come into it. It's, yeah, it's very, yeah, you know. That's the way it is. Yeah, um, yeah that's the way it is. Mm. So, so you know, y- you can blame mm. to a point, mm-hmm. but then you, you're damaging yourself. 
Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that, and the question that's, that was being asked of me was, you know, how are you going to let go of your blood? Are you going to just walk away and not even say hello to them or not even engage with them? Now, mm-hmm. all four of us are doing our own thing. So my sister, who's, she's, she's a single parent. Her, thankfully, her kids are in their 20s. So mm-hmm. she's, she's okay in that way. Mm-hmm. She suffered the most out of all of this. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's been really unfair on her. But, you know, she's recreated. She's, she's done, again, many courses on NLP, but she's now tutoring online mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. kids. Well. And she's doing really well. Um, my younger brother has gone, very recently has gone back into um, the role he had at Penta as, as a, so I guess in logistics, because mm-hmm. that, he was in that, um, that role, mm-hmm. um, working for a um, Korean food ingredient supplier. Okay. Um, and, and they're doing really, really well. We know them very well. Mm-hmm. So he's 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 re he's re he brought in his old team. Yes. Uh, when he was working at Penta, so two guys who were working for him. So the, he's kind of now set up there. Yeah. And my older brother and I, I've obviously got the coaching side of things because I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket. Um, he he's more towards sort of the, the chow bunch, and that's fine. And I said to him. He said to me, um, I get the sense that you want to run it. I said, yeah, I do. I want to run it. I said, you've had 27 years of running Penta. It's my turn now. <laughs> so I said, look, listen, take a back seat. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. You know? yeah. Just see where it goes. You know? And I said, you're very much needed in the business. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, see where it goes. So, so that was the, that, and the, and the final bit to me, the test was, um, you know, the creator, the God asking me, are you going to let go of me? Are, are you, are you, you know, do you have enough trust mm. in me? Mm-hmm. And are you, are you just going to stray? What yep. are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So that gave me a lot of um, grounding that gave me, you know, and, and one of the reasons I get up at four o'clock in the morning is, is to pray, is to yes. meditate. Yeah, right. It gives me that time. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and look, it's not been perfect. Mm-hmm. There have been some really uh, dark moments, even within. Yeah. You know, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. blaming him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's part of the journey. You know, he understands anyway. Um, we're imperfect human beings. Yes. But the important thing is to, is to understand the journey, is to, is to be reflective of why this is happening. Mm-hmm. And I found answers in that, in that process. Like I said, chaos always brings clarity. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's good to have a little bit of uh, chaos because it weeds out the dead wood. Yes. Within, within the person, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally um, agree. Which is, uh, which is needed time to time. Do you think as a, during this time um, of chaos, um, because of pandemic, um, I think a chaos that was always, you know, going to happen in in this industry that was, you know, um, challenged for many different reasons. Um, as we've talked about in this podcast, as I'm sure, you know, like when you're dealing with your clients at the moment, are you finding that they're coming to clarity about their own business, about their own life as they're dealing with challenges that they may never have dealt with before, whether that be obviously just, you know, the revenue 
dropping out of the you know dropping out of the sky um where that be if they're unfortunately you know going into situations where they're thinking about administration or liquidation like what uh, how yeah. are they how are they dealing in this crisis you know in the yeah end? it's 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 tough because um it's as you know it's an industry that is a very high paced mm. very very high paced um and when you are used to that high pace, mm-hmm. when it comes to a grinding halt immediately, you mm-hmm. don't know what to do with yourself. Yes, absolutely. It's one of the biggest challenges people are finding that they, it's, it's come to a halt immediately and then the inner voice kicks in. Mm-hmm. The inner dialogue kicks in mm-hmm. and it starts asking questions. Mm-hmm. It's one of the areas that I, I, I on is the negative belief systems and negative values. Mm-hmm. Uh, within within the um, the mindset, mm-hmm. um, what crippling worry is another big problem because worry causes inaction. Yes, big time. Um, you know, if you don't have the opportunity opportunity to reframe that worry, mm-hmm. you know, um, is there a real worry? Mm-hmm. Which actually then is underpinned. The worry is underpinned with fear of failure or fear itself, mm-hmm. and fear is false as we know a lot of it is is made up in our minds you know yeah. we we create these stories around events so you 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 sit there then you know um people again sitting around fear is in, a, in action and you know there's a life on the other side of fear mm-hmm. but but we, we we just we just get into this hole that we we don't know what to do and then procrastination that's that's another you know because you sit in that space mm-hmm. you think okay I'll, I'll do this later i'll do that later and, I'll, and it becomes overwhelming yeah and you do nothing yes, yes. um and then the stresses and strains of relationships then creep in also you know because obviously partner says what are you doing you know aren't you doing this aren't you doing that i mean you know i remember my own um, situation my children are saying just get a job just get any job just go stack shelves just do do something. Do something, yeah. Thing. I said no. I'm not going to do. It's not something. I'm. I'm not going. Yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into something where I'm going to be miserable, mm. because I had already done that when I was working for breaks. I was yeah. utterly miserable, mm. and driving a van or stacking shelves. I'm not saying there's there's nothing wrong with it. It's mm. just not right for me. Mm. So it's the it's the, it's the in those so the, the sort of the five areas that I've I've identified in. In my sector would be negative beliefs, crippling worry, uh, fear of failure, procrastination, and then straight, strained relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, and you go through the you go through the 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 breaking breaking those down. The what I would call the reframing mm-hmm. of those challenges. And there's others. I mean, you know, um, I was speaking to somebody yesterday. Uh, he, he's a chef, and he has a desire to. Um, uh, he's an actually ex client of mine, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, you know, he has a desire to uh, uh, set up a, a restaurant business again mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because he, that's, he believes in it in himself. And he's done a lot of work in, with his own mindset. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's, 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 there's issues there. His father passed away a few years ago. There's a lot of issues there that are that are sort of undealt with. Yes. That yeah. and, and what happens is when we are not when we don't show up in a certain area of our life, it impacts our performance in other areas. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, 
and 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 those need to be undone those blind spots need to be identified mm -hmm. and that's the process of the reframing that i go through with my clients the mm -hmm. mindset's really clear to get clarity in the mindset there's nothing wrong there's there's not wrong with these people they're fine they're perfect it's just that cloudiness and fogginess um, uh, prevents us to have the correct judgments at the right time in the right place and you need to have clarity to be able to sit even when ha you have a lot of fires going on and there's a lot of noise to be able to uh, you know park that noise down there and that noise down there you know that it exists but to have the the sanity to be able to do it um, one of the things I, I, I do regularly and I advocate this to my client is journal you've got a journal because it, it just allows you to do it in the morning, offload, you know, you know, go through the verbal, di verbal diarrhea of just putting all the shit down there on, on that, on that piece of paper and just park it away. Yes. And move on. Yeah. And that really helps. Um, and then, you know, you, we, we talk about the solutions, which is the, the recreation mm -hmm. and then the, the outcomes of those problems, which is the relaunching of yourself and your business. And, Right, guys i hope you really enjoyed that episode of the open pantry podcast as always thank you so much for tuning in now as i was hinting at the start of the podcast we were talking about restoke which is a fantastic back of house automation platform based here in melbourne uh just fantastic piece of tech that's been developed uh last year it's all about automating and delegating procedures and compliance ordering and inventory management, prep runs, all those things at the back of the house, which we don't love to talk about, but we know as hospitality owners that are so, so critical to make sure that our venues run successfully. And on top of that, it has a live food costing system, which is just fantastic. I've seen it in person. Now, it's all about giving you the time to actually run your business much more effectively and see all these things live in your business when you're not there. So I know that's going to be really critically important as we rebuild this industry. Now, for the Open Pantry listeners, you're actually able to get one month free subscription on top of a normal 14 days trial. So that's about six weeks to use this platform and figure out if you actually like it. I know you actually will. So all you have to do is go to restoke.ai slash the open pantry. So that's R-E-S-T-O-K-E dot A-I slash the open pantry. Super easy. Check it out. Uh, you'll see everything you need to know about the platform itself. Uh, I know you're going to love it. Uh, and let me know what you think as well. Like uh, uh, this is a fantastic product. I don't talk about products very much on the show and, uh, and these guys are just amazing what they're doing right now so that's why i want to support them so check it out and see what you think and uh i'll talk to you on the next podcast